2: Dope Black Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Dope Black Dad Podcast. Okay, today I am joined by Timmy, Mister Money Jar. Okay, he is an award-winning financial expert and content creator, author, and also founder of a UK-based financial education company by the name Mister Money Jar, uh, which offers practical financial guidance. He hosts the Mister Money Jar Show, a weekly podcast. I believe they're on like a hundred podcasts at the moment, which is so cool. And he's an ambassador for a charity that promotes the importance of financial literacy and creates educational content, which is called the National Numeracy. So, Timmy, how you doing, my man? I'm good. You've left me with nothing
3: <laughs> left to say. Thank you. No, for, don't, don't worry. Oh, I'll definitely bring it out of you.
2: So I'll, I'll get all, the, all those your journey out. Of you basically start <laughs> with that, actually. So, how did your journey into um, you know being a financial educator kind of start?
3: It started with curiosity. Um, There are lots of different moments, but one that really stands out to me is my first job out of uni was at a financial PR company and they changed pension providers and they sent an email out to everyone and they were moving from, I think it was like Scottish Widows to Hargoose Lansdowne, who uh, actually I still like invested in to this day. And a lady came in to talk to us and was like, you know, you need to invest in your pension. Um, you know, you can pick the the risky, the medium or the the cautious one. And I asked her, like, which thing should I put my pension in? I didn't know that much about pensions. She was like, I can't tell you what to invest in because I'm not a financial advisor. I remember thinking that like, this is really strange that this my pensions are very important, but I have no idea how it works, no idea, like, what to do with it. But this is money that I'm going to have to use when I retire. So I went on a massive personal development journey. I read a ton of books. I read something like 35 books in 2017, 2016 times. Um, A lot of them on finance. I watched YouTube videos. I listened to podcasts. And once I got to a point where I felt like I was reading and seeing the same things over and over again, I then made a page of my own. This was in 2019 to share what I'd learned essentially. And the journey kind of began from there. 2019 was cool. I did in-person meetups, the Money Jar meetup, shout out anyone who came to those. But lockdown was when things really um, started to to kick off because everyone was at home. People were experiencing myriad financial um, situations. And there was this huge hunger to learn about Crazy, money crazy.
2: That's so, that's quite nuts for me specifically, how I can relate to this is because during my kind of lockdown time, I was put on furlough and I've always been hugely passionate about money. And I actually started, while I've been traveling, I started um, my RO1 exams. Um, so I was like really trying to get into the whole um, financial right. advisor stuff. So very similar. Like I was just curious. I was like, I've got a good pension. What's what do I do with my pension? How can I maximise this? So very very similar actually, uh, which is quite yeah, cool.
3: Yeah. If you don't
2: mind me, if you don't mind me asking, I don't know if the people
3: at home will have the the video feed on this. Is, yes, is that a is. wedding ring it you're is. wearing?
2: Oh no way, that's have yeah, cool. a black wedding yeah, ring. Yeah, and like it lights mine. up. It titanium, titanium as well, which is quite cool, and it's sunny.
3: <laughs> okay, my, okay, my, my no, mind. I, d- I
2: didn't want any fit like brass or gold <laughs> or really anything like that. I was like, keep it black, blacked out everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Is yours a wedding
3: ring? Yeah, yeah, I got married last August, just celebrated my first year uh, wedding anniversary. Um, marriage, obviously very beautiful, love my She's wife very the much, camera, but isn't a lot of stuff to do with finance <laughs> on that. So, yeah, yeah, paying me to say everything I'm saying. No, that's
2: so cool, my man. But, you know, that is very interesting for you kind of start with your journey. Um, and a, a, a question that I kind of wanted to ask was, um, obviously, because you've now known a bit more about the kind of finance, definitely a lot more than I do on the whole financial side of things. Do you feel like financial literacy is starting to become a real big talking point? Obviously, with you know interest rates rising and everything that's happening in the UK, I'm starting to hear a lot more people talk about it, or do you think it's still quite, it needs to be talked about more?
3: I've identified, I think people are talking about it, and I think people are talking about it the right amount. Um, however, I noticed this trend taking place from way before the cost of living crisis. It was the pandemic that where I really saw that shift, Before the pandemic, there was a lot of interest in your classic stuff, like increasing your income and investing and stuff. But it was during the pandemic and lockdown when I saw people, you know, people realise that, you know, you could lose your job, that you need to have an emergency fund saved. I remember when I was younger, the idea of having savings for apparently no reason was really alien to me. And then we got to the pandemic and I was like, okay, no, I need to have an emergency fund. I need to have money just in case my situation changes. Because as we saw, people who made plans in January 2020, by March, April 2020, those plans weren't going to happen anymore. Um, and I think that the cost of living crisis, the squeeze that we're seeing on energy bills, on groceries, petrol, that sort of thing, has just intensified what the pandemic started. Um, and I think that that's happening on both sides. So on the consumer side, people are really interested in financial education and how they can manage their money better, save, invest, pay off debt and so on. But also on the creator side, on the educator side, you're seeing lots of people come forward with their own lived experiences and their own take on financial education. And so in um, kind of spring 2020 time, you are again all this boom of people like myself creating pages, creating platforms, many of which still exist now of people sharing their experience and, and their and expertise. What would
2: you say is kind of the biggest contributor to people starting to be, um, you know, talking about financial literacy. Cause obviously now that the, the, the terminology is being more widely used. It's not kind of like a hearsay. And it's so crazy for me yeah. because I've only started learning it kind of like, um, over the last two years. And obviously I'm like in my twenties. I'm going to say my full age. I'm 20, 20 years young is what I say to people. <laughs> but, um, all right. Exactly. I'm, I'm 30 exactly. years young. So, I'm hearing so it's kids good. like um, just yeah. coming out of uni talking these terms, and I'm just like, "What? How are they knowing this kind of stuff already?" Do, do you think that's going to help with the situation? Yeah. Is that enough to know, you know, the different terms and what they mean, or is there more that needs to be done?
3: Yeah, yeah. Let me answer your questions in order. So, you said, "What do I? Th- what do we think is driving this?" I think it's the internet and social media. I think social media is just a tool. It's like a massive amplification megaphone for what people are already doing. So if people were showing off back in the day, then social media just allows you to show off 10 times more. If um, if people were like connecting back in the day, then social media allows you to connect with people all over the world. Equally, social media is this really amazing tool that enables people to teach really large audiences of people, but also enables people to learn as well. And there are so so many platforms uh, with so many different formats that you can learn from. So if you want to read blogs, if you want to watch videos, long form, short form, if you want to listen to podcasts, there's a different platform, a different format to suit everyone. And it's really interesting because I got started investing when I was in my 20s and there wasn't all of this media circulating Um, And I had to make do with with books, a lot of which were geared towards an American audience. Everything was in dollars. And I'm really, really happy now to see that there's a lot more stuff in pounds and pence and a lot more stuff focusing on um, UK issues. You know, when you're talking about things like taxes and investments, you can learn so much from the US experience, but we have completely different tax um, and investment rules in this uh, country. And then on the second question about whether... You know, more needs to be done, and 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 so on. I think it's it's very much a journey. Um, I still learn new things about finances every day. The thing I like to say is that personal finance is personal. So every single conversation I have with someone about their money is a learning opportunity for me. Because no two. Situations is there anything that the you've same.
2: noticed, kind of as a common theme when you're speaking to people about their personal finances at the moment? Like common struggles, or yeah, people common struggles, people's. Um,
3: people's what people are trying to find out is normally very outcome based Um, if I could use an analogy it's like if I wanted to learn how to cook something and I went on YouTube I would google the recipe and then I'll watch the video along to see how to do it or another random example like the other day my toilet flush button broke so I had to like google how to find out how to fix that people approach finances in a very similar way so it's like how can I get out of debt I've never invested before. How can I invest for the first time? How do I save towards a house? It's very informational, very outcomes driven. And people want to get to the core of the issue straight away. I think that that's what's enabled me to build my platform because I try to break things down and make them as accessible as possible in as short a time as possible. Back when Instagram used to be a photo sharing app, RIP (laughs) those times, um, it was with infographics now it's short form videos um, that that i do that with Uh, and what's it so like getting on the property ladder paying off debt investing um budgeting is another big one that people are are really interested in so um
2: yeah that's That's quite really interesting for me because i don't know if you know but i'm traveling at the moment so i'm going to be going back to the uk and hitting this storm that's hitting at the moment so i'm a bit nervous myself but um Yeah. Where was I going? Yeah. So with with the um, kind of UK situation as it is right now, what area of their finance do you think people should be focusing most on? Is it budgeting? Is it should they still be worrying about trying to get on the property ladder, or is it is it different for everyone? How does it kind of work?
3: Um, It is different for everyone. um, But what I will say is, against the backdrop of the cost of living crisis and rising prices, it is a crisis. And it's a crisis that has required government intervention and will require more government intervention. So they've announced up to £1,200 of support for the most vulnerable households. Liz Truss has just capped energy bills at £2,500 a year for two years, starting in October. But things that we can do on our side, it really does come back to the basics when you're talking about things like um, like your bills. So it's taking stock of your finances I went from budgeting monthly to budgeting weekly uh, a couple of months ago because I realized that the monthly, look, looking at my finances once a month on the day I got paid just wow. wasn't often enough. You know, you, you're, you're leaving 30 day periods between to go, oh, that's how much I spent. The thing is you're spending money every single day, multiple times a day. So I've been looking at it every week and that's been really useful for me. Being super ruthless in terms of, um, you know, bills and stuff that I'm paying for, making sure that um, like money isn't leaking um, out of my bank account. I think that for people who are able to, they will want to look at increasing their income. So like doing a, doing a side hustle or seeing if they can get a pay rise at their job. It really does come back to people's individual situations. But I think the cost of living crisis is very like survival based. It's kind of affecting people, the, the bottom layer of people's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so I imagine most people right now yeah. are focusing on Yeah, I completely the agree.
2: And it's um, quite interesting, obviously, I don't know how you do it in your, in your household, obviously, me and my wife have very different mindsets on, on money, um, which kind of complements each other really well. How yeah. have you managed to do that? Because I think, obviously, if you're yeah. in a situation where, you know, you and your partner are both going through this crisis at the same time, your emotions are quite high, how do you have those conversations that are necessary um to to survive this crisis basically um yeah so
3: i think increasing the frequency with which we talk about things has really helped with me and my wife so we have a day a set day of the week a set time of the week where we both agree to do our life admin and it involves our budgets and and money and stuff but it's also like we'll look at our calendar we'll look at our to-do list and we it's become a really important part of our week to just sit down and have this chat we've actually noticed that on weeks where we can what we do on a sunday sundays where we've been busy um the the following week has actually been really rubbish because we've not had that chat and like shared our understandings i also think that if you have different A different approach to planning and to finances than your partner to your point it can be uh, a strength you know i'm really comfortable with spreadsheets i will sit down and you know balance the books for fun my wife doesn't really care about that but she's really good at playing into Mm. the future and thinking about things because i'm my brain isn't so good at processing future events i'm kind of like Mm. (laughs) in the here and now but she's really good Uh, thinking uh to to the (laughs) project manager so kind of figures and looking into the future and going what if if this happens then this will happen and then we can come together and yeah and sync on those you don't want to be too different though i mean that it can the difference can also cause um you know conflict as well so if you have someone's really frugal and another person just wants to spend all their money then that can cause issues but hopefully that's you know, an aspect of your compatibility with one another that you've kind of figured out by no, the time you are No, of course, definitely that.
2: definitely related to <laughs> that. Um, so, yeah, so, like, my wife's quite kind of <clears throat> laid back and chilled. She's like, Cameron, you just go about it. So if she heard, you know, we have to now look at budgeting weekly, she'd be like, not a chance. Even though she has got the time to, she'd rather watch some kind of Netflix program or whatever it is. So yeah. I'm very much like you. I love my spreadsheets, um, Google Sheets and Excel, all of that I live by. Um, but for someone who who isn't so much into budgeting? Because I know some people don't like it. Why, I don't know. Um, but yeah, how, how would someone yeah. regularly look at their finances on a weekly basis?
3: Yeah, well, I, I must admit that, um, you know, I use the word budget. I do understand that this is a word that turns a lot of people off. In fact, they hear the first syllable of the word <laughs> and they're already like asleep. So try not to focus on the word budget or the connotations of the word budget. You can call it a spending plan. You can call it m- a money management session. You can call it looking over your finances. To, to reason by analogy, um, if you tried to go about your day without ever checking the time, let's say you have like a, a day that's full of meetings. You're going to see friends. Uh, You've got to go to a dinner or something. you got to catch a train, plane, whatever. If you tried to do all this stuff without checking your watch once without checking your calendar once you're going to miss stuff you're going to turn up late to stuff you're not going to know where you are you're just you're basically looking at the sun and guessing that it's 4 p.m and then you're going to turn up turn up at the thing and the things already happened it's a very similar thing with your money our brains aren't wired to understand how money works in re- in hard terms a very abstract concept and so checking your finances and you can do this really simply by either using one of, one of the app-only banks, which will break down all your spending for you and categorize it and stuff, or you can use a budgeting app. Um, I use Money Dashboard, for example. Uh, it's free, desktop app, mobile app. And just look at your finances. Look at the last seven days. Um, make a plan for the next seven days. You're doing a very similar thing to checking a watch or checking a calendar. It's just with your money. You don't want to go in blind to something like this, because even though I um, you know, I work in the financial education space, I still do all of the same, I still make all of the same mistakes that your average person will make. If I'm on a night out and we're having fun, yes, I'm, I'm tapping away. Um, I have subscriptions that I've maybe forgotten about. I overspend from time to time, um, which is why I, if you know the amount of times I've deleted and reinstalled the Amazon app <laughs> from my phone and delivery yeah. app and stuff but the difference between you and the next person is going to be your ability to sit down and look at your finances and make you know tweaks that's that's the only difference
2: we're all human I can so app. relate to that I, I started deleting all my Amazon apps and all that kind of stuff and I've just started installing it because we yeah. be gave going back to the UK soon and I'm like oh I can already feel the, the pull of all these different things so yeah yeah I can 100% relate to that yeah um, and in terms of like this um, talk more specific to kind of like um, bl- black minorities and stuff, do you feel like we've taken a bigger hit than other, minor- other minorities or other people at all? Or do you think it's just straight up? Everyone in the UK is just getting hit stupidly hard.
3: Well, Running Trust um, did that really um, groundbreaking study in uh, 2020 where they found that for every <clears throat> 10 pounds of household wealth, um, you know, white Brits had um, uh, African and Caribbean Brits had. I think it was uh, ten and twenty p, um, respectively. Yeah, relatively speaking, and and they they visualise it by showing a, a stack of um, ten one pound coins for the white Brit, and I think for the Indian Brits it was nine one pound coins, and then you got to the end. And it was Bangladeshi, um, African Brits and Caribbean Brits with the lowest shares of wealth. So I think when you look, the cost of living crisis is a macro issue, but then if you have people in society who have a lower share of household wealth, lower share of income, it's going to affect them more as well. Um, But I think that with this, so the the, the crisis is going to affect them more, but I can certainly um, remember from my upbringing that having less can be a strength. It can make you more resourceful. It can mean that you know, when, you, when you're when you working with less, it means that you have your eye on it more because every penny counts. So I think to the people that are struggling the most, this is definitely a time to be kind to yourself. As, as I've said already in this conversation, it's a crisis. It's not something that, you know, a few tips or tweaks here and there can fix. Um, and to look for the help that is available. Um, a charity I've been working with, this year called turn to us. It's a financial support charity. They have an excellent page of resources on their website about cost of living help that you can access. And they have a benefits calculator as well, um, which is a bit like a, like a time uh, type form, I guess, where you can put in your, your circumstances, your uh, details about your household, and then they will let you know the benefits that you're entitled to. Um, and, and, like and don't don't feel bad asking for help as well. There's something like fifteen billion of unclaimed, um, pa- fifteen billion pounds of unclaimed credits in the UK at the moment, and a lot of that's to do with the stigma of seeking out help. But the help is there. So, so yeah, I
2: completely it. agree. I remember seeing that stat as well about the amount of unclaimed benefits, and yeah, there is this huge stigma attached to being on benefits, which I don't think is a bad thing, especially during a crisis like everyone's kind of feeling that hit. Yeah. So it should be something like if you're struggling, do what you need to do to live and support your family rather than trying to be proud and keeping your ego and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, I can 100% relate. With that.
3: Yeah. And I think, I think the stigma, but I also think it's, awareness, yeah, yeah. you know, like no, know, knowing what your rights are, knowing what your entitlements are. And rather than come on here and reel off a long list of like the entitlements and the dates and this, that and the other. Um, I think if, if you do anything, do an internet search for Turn to Us uh, benefits calculator and, and see what you're entitled to. Um, when it comes to energy bills as well, I actually received an email from my energy provider this week saying that there's help available for, for customers if they're struggling with their bills. And they might be able to give you you know, a, a, a grant if you're struggling with your bills, um, payment holidays, discretionary credit. Again, speak to your providers to see what you're entitled but to. As well, what stops
2: someone wealthy from, um, you know, using that, using those benefits? Like, are they are they vetting this process, or is it something that some people could take advantage of if they're not feeling the squeeze as much as others?
3: This is a process I believe that's that's being that's being vetted, um, and uh, if uh, you say that you're struggling with your your bills, they might even put you on a prepayment meter. Oh, okay.
2: That does make it it a lot more helpful, to be honest. Um, Yeah, so a a couple of other topics I wanted to just kind of speak of based off what we've kind of been talking about. Um, I remember you saying, like, when you started out learning about finance, because I think that is a cute, like you said, a a, a huge part of this is... keeping yourself in the awareness of what's happening in kind of the the financial industry and um, the literacy side of things, knowing what what words mean and, oh, what's this about? And just being curious. Um, I remember when I first started out, like you said, it was a majority of um, kind of like white Americans who were just saying the American story. And I've started to see the shift um, of not just like UK people talking about stuff, but black UK people coming about it. Um, Do you feel like um, there still needs to be um, more push from Like huge media sources On the availability of these Kind of like UK I'm not going to say financial advisors But UK People talking about financial education um, So like you mean? If, When I was looking for um, I was really struggling mm. to find UK information Like you said Like the tax stuff And the benefits And knowing that All, all that kind of stuff My main source was obviously Like your YouTube And your, your TikTok And your Instagram For the kind of younger yeah. generation um, And I feel like in terms of especially during this crisis crisis sorry and me not being in the uk i'm not too sure if this is the case but i don't feel like the media they're just focusing on the problem rather than offering people or right, have a look at this this person's doing this there's more like scaremongering rather than here's what you could do do you see uh, what i mean right
3: all <clears throat> oh, right yeah yeah um yeah i mean the meat the media is gonna do what the media's gonna do right i think that um You've got traditional media, which is like news and broadcasts and TV and stuff. And if 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 you feel like you're just seeing a lot of scaremongering and so on, then you know, listen to the Dope Black Dads podcast. This is media. Um, do you know use um social media platforms and listen to voices that you that you trust. A lot of financial educators will are, are very happy to highlight. Educators that they are also fans of, um, and that they follow and, and learn from, and uh, you know, finding trusted voices is about looking at people who have been, and um, it, like it's, it's not just about followers, but it's looking about like people that have been do- have been at this for a while. Um, you can, <laughs> if we go to my page, you can see years and years of. You know, information and kind of things that I've been sharing. So it's not—it wasn't like a kind of a fad for me. It's something that I'm very um, dedicated to. But I think that with with education, there is an extent to which it is on you to seek out the information um, for yourself. I don't mean to get particularly when it comes to money. I don't mean to get conspiratorial on the podcast, but it's kind of—it's a very competitive consumer economy that we live in. There's very little benefit to the people who have lots of money to teach people who don't have money, how to manage and invest it. And and I think, you know, they just want us to consume. They want us to buy things because that's what keeps the system going. Eat out to help out was about, you know, consumption, you know? Um, So there is an extent to which if you're seeking financial education stuff it is going to be on you to a certain extent to seek out and find
2: voices that you trust and that, and that you want to listen yeah, to. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Um, I've, like I said, I've, I've always been hugely passionate about finance. And yeah, I think it is a thing where in a time of a crisis, it can be very um, easy to instantly start pointing fingers. And I think the blame game kind of needs to, it still needs to be there, but it needs to be put on chill and everyone needs to kind of start focusing on, all right, how can we try and get out or survive this crisis? Because ultimately it's here, it's here now, and we need to start working towards doing something to get out of it and, and surviving it. So um, yeah, completely you can relate. And for those who are starting to because um, I've got a couple of friends before I did this podcast, I was asking them a couple of questions on what they would want to hear from you and, and how they're feeling because obviously I'm not in the UK at the moment. Um, and
1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: A lot of them said where they had, you know, been being smart and saving their money aside, investing or whatever they were doing, that squeeze is starting to happen and they're now starting to live paycheck to paycheck. To paycheck. So mentally, they're like, yeah, I want to invest. Yeah, I want to grow and all of this stuff but the situation's the situation. So what kind of advice would you give to someone who is living paycheck to paycheck where they don't have anything they can save?
3: So we've touched upon it as well. You can It's, it's about increasing your income and reducing your expenses as much as you possibly can. A way to increase your income is to take advantage of benefits that you're entitled to. So we've, we've already talked about that. In terms of um, reducing your expenses... Again, we've spoken about it. You do need to take stock. Have a look at how much you've got um, going out on a on a weekly basis, if you can. Um, cancel any bills and subscriptions you're not using. Something that I've been doing when I've been shopping, I'm, I'm assuming the people you're speaking about aren't the most vulnerable of households because they were thinking about things yeah, like saving yeah. and investing and stuff. Um, I've, you know, I'll be in the supermarket and... There was like one time when I, I like picked up like a branded like milk product, and then I was in the queue queuing up, and then I kind of noticed that the own brand product was right there and it was half the price. I was like, "What am I doing?" And I went and I put back the branded product and picked up the own brand product. So I've been downgrading in terms of some of the things that I've been been paying for, and these little things do do add up definitely. Um, but then I also think because I don't I don't want to triv- trivialize the Um, the crisis that for this period that we're in, it is a difficult period. And if you're living paycheck to paycheck during a crisis, then don't judge yourself for that because it is a crisis at the, at the end of the day.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's quite an interesting take on it actually to kind of like downgrade your lifestyle for the period to kind of keep, keep yourself afloat and not feeling like there's a shame to it. Is that what you're kind of touching upon?
3: I I Hmm. think so. Um, and we need only look at the like the government's response to see that like it it is very serious you've got like billions of pounds worth of support being announced for individuals and and for businesses and stuff and payments being made to people because that's that's the nature of the um that that that's the that highlights the seriousness of the problem essentially um and i see a lot of conversations around what if you just do these things, then you'll be able to get yourself out of this. This is a this is a generational issue, mm. you know. Um, we have a rise in electricity um, in energy costs because of firstly the aftershocks of COVID. So we're still trying to deal with the pandemic. There's the war in Ukraine, which has meant that people that we were previously relying on energy supply for, um, uh, like Russia, for example. We now don't rely on them, which means that the remaining energy on the market is more expensive, and we also have uh, several years worth of the UK not being self-sufficient as a country. You know, we're, we're relying; we, we could have built nuclear plants and, and so on, um, and we've relied on other countries for energy. So this is a long-term problem as well. You know, we need to become a, a country that is more able to rely upon itself we need to have economic growth to get out of this situation ultimately and then all we're doing in between is just making sure that people can, can meet their monthly expenses and, and, I, and I think that's appropriate
2: and that's okay. Do you feel like that might bite us in the bum in the future like all this kind of support coming from the government now like here here's some money for it do you think either ourselves or future generations are going to have to pay up for that in in, in the future?
3: It, the, the, it depends on um, where the support is coming from. The current policies that are being announced are being funded by borrowing, which means that yes, we will probably have higher taxes in the future to pay for it. So conservatives, you know, Liz Truss has actually said that she doesn't um, want to tax companies at all. I don't agree with this. I think if you've got energy suppliers literally saying we have more money than we know what to do with, then it's appropriate to expand a windfall tax on them mm. or, or to do a windfall tax at all particularly if the reason why they have record profits isn't because they've been doing anything different it's just simply because the it's prices patient. have been higher um, so I think that that also speaks to being more politically engaged, doing things like writing to your MP and paying attention to what decision makers are doing and saying like voting you know, voting in the people that you want to create policies that represent you and that you support. I historically haven't been that politically engaged. Um I, for, for example, during Brexit, I didn't really read the news that much. I didn't really know that much about what was going on in politics. And to an extent, I'm kind of happy about that because I think I would have been miserable. <laughs> yeah. But once it got to the once I got to the pandemic and I realized that, oh, wow, that like the people who make the rules can literally tell you to stay inside and only leave for your one hour of exercise or whatever. That's when I started to really pay attention to what was going on in government and stuff. So we're in the situation we're in now. But if we want things to be different, then we need to vote in the people that we think represent us rather than just being apathetic about it, also coming to inertia and just being like, yeah, they'll just do what they're doing, I'm doing what I'm doing. No, like your vote, your opinion matters.
2: What, what about if you're like, because for myself, I've not been too into the kind of politics side of things, um, like how you were but, um, mm-hmm. previously. Um, and that's mainly because a lot of the times I'll look at but, like multiple parties and I'm like, well, I agree with that, but I don't agree with that. and I agree with that, but I don't agree with this. And it's like, well, I don't agree with your full situation. I feel no matter what way I go, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Um, so mm. I've, I've always felt like what, what kind of needs to happen is there needs to be more people entering into politics um, who have more of a, a certain vision where like, like, how do I explain it? So someone will kind of see people in politics and go, well, I don't agree with what this person's doing. I don't agree with this person's doing. Okay, then get into politics. Like, do you feel like there needs to be more fresh faces in politics? Is that even possible?
3: I, I Yeah, I completely... I completely agree with that. I think it's a really good point. Um, I think that one of the side effects of um, like capitalism is that it can kind of make you feel like a small cog in this massive machine and that your individual actions don't matter. Mm. Like you work in a massive company and it's just your job to work on this one document and then to send it to someone. Or you're just a, one consumer among millions of consumers who exist solely to... Drive up the share prices of a company, or make some, you know the top one percent rich. But I do believe that everyone is special. Everyone has something to offer, and you could, you know, you can have an idea in your head about something, but you can also make it happen as well mm. if, if it's what you really want to do and you have the time to to dedicate towards it. I, I fully fully believe that. Um, it's, so, if there's people out there who want to go into politics, like definitely do that. If you think it's your area and you're passionate about it, because you could be the person to change to change things around for this country, you could be the person that's a role model to people that people look at and go, "Yeah, I want to vote for that person." So yeah, it's, it's like a two—it's a two-pronged thing, isn't it? It's about us people on the ground making our voices heard and voting, but it's also about people stepping forward to be leaders as well. Yeah, yeah. I think this—I I say the same thing to people about. Um, it's, it's not, like, entirely related, but like I guess it sort of is. It's the same thing to people about, like, business. Like, if you have an idea that you think will help people and that you think can make money, like, try it. I, I've i been in business, um, been running my business by, um, by next month. October will be three years. It'll be the longest job I've ever had. And if I'd said to any of my friends five years ago that I was going to be a content creator in 2022... I talk like talk less of them laughing at me. I would have laughed at myself. I wouldn't have thought that it was possible. But it's like time plus effort, like being in it to win it. It really it really, really works. People are far more powerful than they think.
2: Yeah, I can com- I completely agree with that. Like since doing my travels I've obviously seen one side of the world and seeing how we've kind of work I'm in Bali at the moment. And one thing that I find really interesting is the UK renowned, I just feel like the kind of like generation we are in, they're very hungry to do well. Um, but they've always had this stigma attached where they not, they don't like politics. Everyone in the UK doesn't respect people like the prime ministers and they're just always being laughed at or there's some kind of meme happening at someone. There's always that st- stigma attached to it. Whereas out here in Bali, They're very laid back and chilled. They're on an island. I get it, obviously. But they're incredibly respectful to their prime minister. They've got like kings and queens of different areas. I think there kind of needs to be a beautiful mix between the two where we can kind of still be, you know, hardworking and hungry to do well, but also respecting leaders. And I think that also does put a bit of pressure on leaders to do stuff that's going to make them respected. And also people go into leadership positions where, they, they will be respected because their views are from what the people want rather than just kind of like some huge keeping votes and all this kind of stuff. So I, I can see the mix yeah. between the two, definitely. Um, uh, another topic I kind of wanted to speak on um, obviously, like you mentioned, you just recently got married. So congratulations on that. Um, and obviously, Thanks you've had me. a crisis happen around about the same kind of time. So a lot's happening around your life. So, what would you give? What was your kind of. Um, mindset and and tips you were doing when you were kind of going through saving for your wedding and all this kind of stuff while going through or just about hitting into a crisis and all that was it kind of tied in
3: um so by the crisis do you mean the pandemic yeah yeah Yeah. um well we we had a pandemic wedding it was only 12 people um and that and we haven't done the follow-up bigger event yet so yeah 12 people obviously a lot more easy to Pay for and cater to everyone, when it's just that it was just siblings and parents, and we were in that weird part of the pandemic where we weren't sure, necessarily sure, when we were going to get out, and we thought rather than put it off and put it off, um, potentially that de- well, not indefinitely, but you know, just like for a period of time that we don't know, let's just do something now. So, in a way, the pandemic kind of um, helped us uh, with with that. Um, what we did put a lot of money into and something that we are very happy that we did was into marriage counseling. Um We got marriage counseling very, very early on um, with a fantastic service called Relate. Um, and it was online. And <clears throat> we simply, you know, we wanted to go into marriage with a good dose of humility and just recognize that there was a coin toss in whether our marriage would survive or not. Right. It's like, I think the percentage, on like 42% of marriages end in divorce, but that's just the people who could or could be bothered to get divorced. Yeah. So there's a bunch of people who are married who are like, obviously not, not happy as well. And we didn't want to go into it going, yeah, that wouldn't be us because I don't actually believe anyone. or well, I, I think the majority of people who get married don't go into it with the intention of getting divorced. <laughs> And we learned a lot of life-changing lessons during the counseling, which ha- helps us to this very day. Just means that we're singing from the same hymn sheet. So when we encounter certain situations or certain issues, we can refer back to what we learned rather than just freestyling it, which is what a lot of us are doing with relationships. When you really consider the fact that no one actually teaches you how to select a partner, no one actually teaches you the the enormity of marriage. And you're basically modeling off what your parents' relationship was like. TV, films, and possibly like music as well. That's terrifying. That's like giving a bunch of young people cars with no driving lessons. Like there's going to be, half of them are going to crash, right? So we got that counseling And if I can, can I share like the thing that we learned that was 100%. um, Yeah. So the thing that we learned is that you can't actually love anyone else until you love yourself. And I'd heard about this concept over the course of my life, but I didn't properly understand it. And the way that our counselor broke it down was that when you're a child, you rely on the love of other people to survive. Well, what's called an nutritional species Altricial, hope I've pronounced that right, which means that we're born prematurely relative to other species. Comedian Michelle Wolfe has a really funny bit about how when a giraffe is born, the mum just kind of like walking and the baby giraffe falls out. And then she looks back and is like, get up, come with me. <laughs> but human beings require a period of at least 10 years where you can't really do anything for yourself. And so your parents' love is a life or death issue. You need someone to love you, feed you, clothe you, care for you, Uh, Put a roof over your head. Otherwise, we'd be dead. None of us would be alive anymore. And part of growing up is about learning how to clothe yourself, how to feed yourself, how to brush your own teeth, but also how to love yourself. You need to learn how to give yourself the love that your parents used to give you. But a lot of us don't do that. We get to a point where, you know, I don't think my parents are cool anymore. So I'm now going to seek the love of my friends. I'm going to seek the Come love on. of that person there that I want to date. I'm going to seek the love of the crowd. So I'm going to get a nice car, a fancy job, nice clothes. And this love is never going to be enough because life is long and people are disappointing. You need to learn to love yourself first. Accept yourself. Once you can do that, once you fit your own oxygen mask first, you are then in a position to show up to someone completely whole and happy and love them and so once we realized that it wasn't our job to fix each other and to like make each other happy and to to do all of that and we should actually be focusing on ourselves our relationship became much much happier much much more we were much much more in sync with each other and we were able to present ourselves to each other as our best selves
2: Mm. When you got married, did you feel like you already, ready or kind of like you knew how to love yourself or do you feel like marriage counseling helped you kind of just fix those last steps so you could love yourself and just strengthen that marriage or how, how was it for you? Do you know what's terrifying? I got married
3: not knowing how to love myself. Mm, I learned about same. this after I got married Facts. and I'm so happy that we chose to do it. Um, I don't practice it perfectly at all. You know, we're human. We always, we all have moments of insecurity. We all have moments where we're like, "Oh, if I just do this thing, then those people will think that about me. But having this toolkit now gives me a benchmark to come back to when, whenever I stray off the path. So I do, I'm, I'm getting much better at loving myself. Like, uh, something that I am really uh, kind of wary of is like social rejection mm. just historically like I would feel really silly if I like said something dumb and people laughed at me or if I if I like stood out like particularly at school and like secondary school and stuff but now when I say something silly I'm able to laugh at myself I'm, mm. I'm able to have like a chuckle at myself and be like oh that was a really like silly thing you just said mm. rather than Uh, I hope people won't judge me for that. I hope people won't like reject me socially for that. That like being able to laugh at yourself is a form of self-love. It means that you're not judging yourself and you're not taking life too seriously. Um, I didn't historically used to look after my health that much. I just used to, I'm kind of one of those people who's just kind of naturally quite slim or Mm. or looks naturally quite slim, Um, kind of eat what I want and like whatever, but that doesn't mean that I'm healthy. Mm. So looking after your health is a form of self-love because you're saying to yourself that you, you want your body to work properly. You want to live, uh, you know, as long a healthy life as possible. And so that's why I'm running, um, London Marathon in, in a month's time. And I've been training towards it because I know I'm not a natural gym goer, but when I book in a race, that means that I'm sleeping right, more likely to sleep right, more likely to eat right, more likely to, um, to exercise. So, um, please. Uh, If you're listening to this, try to uh, cultivate the habit of loving yourself. No one else is going to do it for you.
2: I'm so glad you brought that up. So glad you brought it up. And as you were saying it, I was like, oh, I can relate with this so much. Because when me and my wife got married, we started doing marriage counseling. It was huge for me. And she was like, oh, my God, have we got problems in our relationship already? We've just got married. And I was like, no, 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 no. No one knows how to do this. I want to... Yeah, we're we're all all making it up.
3: We're all making it up. And it's like, just because you're um, going to the gym doesn't mean you've broken your leg, right? Mm. Just because you're seeking counselling doesn't mean anything's wrong. We are very, very early on in uh, human understanding of how the brain works and of how psychology works. And so, and that's why, like, when we talk about mental health, it has this negative connotation of like, something is wrong with your mental health. That's why we're talking about mental, why we're talking about mental health. Mental health is just like physical health. You have it. Mm. It can be good. It can be bad. You can maintain it, like your physical health, or Mm. you can wait till something goes wrong and then you can do some firefighting. I'd much rather maintain it. Prevention
2: is far better than cure. Facts. Facts. And, and on top of that, like um, which kind of ties um, really close to what we've been saying um, throughout this entire podcast is when I started learning about finance and being really curious about it, it was part of one of my steps to loving myself and caring about mm-hmm. my situation. And I think they kind yeah. of all link in it. You, you can't just focus on one section of your life. I've always seen it as a triangle. You've got your time, you've got your money and you've got health. When those three things are, you know, fully jacked up, you're winning, but they're never always perfect. It's trying to balance those three things. I can definitely see how that kind of has tied in, um, to kind of like my life. And obviously from what you've said, which is, I'm so glad you shared that. Yeah. I'm
3: really, am really glad you mentioned that as well. So you've got a triangle. Um, my, uh, my life, I organize my life into four buckets. Okay, cool. Um, so I've got my like my personal life, like my, my relationships. Um, I've got mm, my home okay. and family life, um, I've got health and um, I've got my professional life. So personal professional, home and family and health. And in all the different systems I use, be it my to-do list, um, in like my Google Drive folder in my documents, like everything is in, in those four like folders almost. And I actually, I mean, I haven't actually said this probably out, publicly out loud, but I like, I like score these four areas every month as well. I'm like, okay, on a out of 10, like how do I feel like my work life is going? And then I'll like journal and I'll be like, oh, right. This is what sucks about it. What can I do next month to fix it and stuff? I'm very big on introspection and reflecting and kind of keeping tabs on things. Because it because it works. Like it might sound really like animatronic or something, <laughs> but like what gets measured gets managed. At the end of the
2: Ooh, day, yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely related. With that I can feel my wife rolling her eyes, going, "This guy is exactly like <laughs> you." <laughs> <laughs> spreadsheets on his entire life. I'm exactly the yeah. same. But I, I do agree. I don't think everyone needs to be as crazy as us and have Google spreadsheets and everything. But it's just that kind of self awareness of you're just checking in on yourself and making sure you're kind of. Um, on track to where you want to be. But also, like you said, maintaining that, that level of my health is pretty good. Um, yeah.
3: I think, um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be banging this drum because I do understand that there's people out there like your, your wife who either aren't into this side of things or have like a natural and intuitive way of keeping track of different uh, parts of life. The reason why I have all these tools and systems is because I'm rubbish at it and stuff. But don't forget that like everything that almost everything that we use is a system. So you might not want to use a certain type of system, but you don't get to just be like systems are rubbish because English is a system, yeah? It's like a language with rules that we use to communicate with each other. The division of time into hours, minutes, and seconds, days, weeks, months, is just an arbitrary system that we use to coordinate on meeting people and sending out delivery packages and... Like we could just be like, yeah, just there's just there's just one day. It's just called time. Have fun. Yeah. We're just <laughs> we're floating around <laughs> in space randomly at the end of the day. So yeah. I don't want to put any particular system on a person, but systems in and of themselves are useful. We use them all the time. Yeah,
2: I, I only really it's funny you mentioned that time thing it just brought up as well. Um, out here in Bali, obviously the typical kind of time frame is like a year, isn't it? 12 months in Bali. Yeah. They don't work like that at all. They really? Yeah, I know, right? They have they have it's every six months. They have like their own Christmas every six months, which oh, is right. so bizarre. So I was like, Oh, how old am I? I was like, Oh, I'm 20, 20 years young. And for them, it'd be like 40 <laughs> years because they do it every six months. Obviously, when oh, they have like right. tourists and stuff, they could, they know the year. But if you're like January, February, they're like, What moon is that? I've got no idea. Because they do it off the moon. Wow. It's crazy. It's completely different. To how the western world does it and that just proves like everyone is just working off different systems um but yeah it's really interesting um but yeah That's any closing any closing thoughts my man any, anything you want to just make sure everyone hears what's the the main thing you want people to know from this podcast um so we've talked about
3: a lot of the short-term stuff um around the cost of living crisis um you know if, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, seeking out support, taking stock of your finances, being kind to yourself, not judging yourself. I think I just wanted to finish off by saying that um, <clears throat> kind of in inflation, which is a thing that a lot of us are struggling with at, at this point in time, it isn't normally at uh, these crazy double digit figures that it is. Over the last 30 years, inflation has averaged 2%, which is actually the government target um for inflation, the the Bank of England's target for inflation in this country. So inflation is something that isn't going to affect your finances next week or next month or even next year. It's something that affects your finances over a really long time period. Put into perspective, a rise in 2% inflation over the past 30 years compounded means that things today are nearly double what they used to cost in the 90s. So the way that you protect your finances over time and that you remain resilient over time is by investing your money. This can be into a pension, this can be into a stocks and shares ISA, but that that's like the main way that you build wealth and your finances over time. So I know that things in the present moment are um, quite um, like immediate for some people, but it's also important that you don't take your eye off the long term financial habits which will help you to build your wealth as well and just keep learning just keep learning i learn new stuff all the time i'm sure i'm sure you do as well um read books you know listen to the news if you can if you can bear it um find voices that you trust and uh, of course i come come check me out I'm, I'm at mr money jar on most social media platforms i'm always happy to speak always happy to answer questions
2: absolute pleasure man thank you very much for joining us on this podcast for everyone listening i hope you've learned a lot i definitely have um i'm definitely going to be staying in touch with my guy over here there's so much we have in common it's really interesting actually it's really it's really Um, interesting (laughs) it's so cool um but yeah anyway guys thank you very much for listening for today's podcast i've been cameron and we'll see you in the next one see you later take care dope black podcast